think a lot of people are going to want these jobs because they do offer such a great work-life balance and you get compensated well for it. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession. Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. Hope you all are doing well out there. Happy March. Happy March Madness. I feel like, you know, when they say the better days are ahead or, you know, I feel like we're living in them right now. You know, like the sun's staying out longer, like spring is coming. Like, I just feel like I don't want to jinx it. Like, it's very an optimistic time right now, which, you know, we haven't we haven't had so many of these opportunities. So, yeah, hope everyone's, you know, working hard, doing well, living life. And yeah, I'm just super excited for this episode today. We have Taylor Lyle on and we are talking all about tactical nutrition, which I'm super excited about. Taylor shares the behind the scenes of her role with the U.S. Army in the Holistic Health and Fitness Program. And she just has incredible advice for current sports dietitians, sports RDs to be on, you know, work-life balance while still thriving in your role as a sports dietitian. And so if, you know, you're interested in learning more about tactical nutrition and potentially a 40-hour work week that compensates well, this episode is for you. Taylor Lyle is a registered dietitian and certified specialist in sports dietetics with over nine years of sports nutrition experience, working with NCAA Division I and professional athletes and military combat forces. Her interest in sports nutrition began in high school through her own experiences as an athlete and how diet impacted her performance. At the University of Oklahoma, she was a sports nutrition volunteer with the football team while earning her bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences. In graduate school at Loughborough University in England, Taylor worked with the Nottingham Panthers as a sports dietitian while earning her master's degree in sports and exercise nutrition. Taylor has worked as a sports dietitian at Clemson University, the University of Oregon, West Virginia University, with the NFL Dallas Cowboys, Gatorade Sports Science Institute, working with the NBA G League Texas Legends team, and currently with the U.S. Army Command Forces. Taylor has written blog content for Dairy Max, a nonprofit dairy council, and speaks at a variety of health and nutrition engagements to various businesses and companies. Taylor is the CEO and founder of Tailored for Performance, a business created to provide nutritional services to elite athletes educating on optimal eating around training to enhance performance and healthier lifestyles. I'm super excited for this episode. So let's jump in and let's meet Taylor. Hey, Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Liz, thanks for having me. I'm excited for you to be here. This was a long time coming since we've, I've had to reschedule this like 10 times. I know. Thank you so much and being patient with me. Um, I'm honored to be on your podcast and I'm excited for today. I'm excited too. What's going on in your world? Set the scene for us, for us listeners. Well, I'm in out in the middle of nowhere in a desert. Wait, where are, wait, where are you living? El Paso, Texas. Wow. Connecticut stores. Well, no, I'm in Vernon, but stores, Connecticut and El Paso, Texas could not be more different places. Yeah opposites yeah no but there's actually mountains here which most people don't think of they just think it's a flat yeah Yeah. so it actually gets the weather drops quite a bit because of the mountains um and then of course it'll get hot but uh yeah I just got um home from my my microblading touch up (laughs) and uh yeah 2022 has really kicked off and been crazy for me so um as we've had to reschedule 10 times yeah that was my fault um I was out in Oregon with um, our women's basketball team and then I put it well that's how we had to reschedule and then I remembered that I was like wait I think I was reading Taylor's bio and she used to work there and then I feel like we've been talking for like a few months now just yeah it was was a lot of back and forth and um I was yeah I had a lot of life things like a car accident and then you know, just a family member passing and then just, you know, going to physical therapy, <laughs> um, trying to get my life together. 
I'm but, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's completely fine. And thank you for saying that. It's just, I think everyone's, especially with COVID, everyone's been kind of dealing with different life things. And so hopefully it's relatable for a lot of listeners. For sure. Well, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to talk to, I'm excited to talk about tactical nutrition. So um, I was just trying to think about like, how did we, how do we know each other? Do you know how we met? Cause I could not think about, it. I thought it was the advanced practice workshop, but then I realized you told me you've never been. So I don't remember. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been. If I had, it was a few years ago, <laughs> but I believe we met at CBSDA conference. Do you know which one it was? I mean, it's okay if you don't know. I was wondering. I don't know what year it is at this point. Was it right? I think so. That was the last one I went to. I actually didn't go to the one in Scottsdale in twenty. Last year that we could go to uh, in person. No, this is the first upcoming year that it's. Okay, I don't know why I thought one year was all virtual and then one was mixed, but who knows? Who knows anymore? Right. Well, yeah, let's dive in. Can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yeah, so um, so sports nutrition started for me. I was an athlete growing up, playing a variety of sports, um, basketball and volleyball. I played competitively and I saw how nutrition impacted my performance as an athlete. And that really started my passion for nutrition. So unfortunately I got burnt out by the time I went to college. <laughs> So I didn't play sports, which I think honestly was a blessing in disguise because I don't know that I would have pursued a career path in sports if I had. Um, so it was nice to get that time. I enjoyed being a full-time student in college. I got to study abroad a few times, um, you know, Spain, uh, Dominican Republic, Bolivia, and just had some really cool experiences. And and, and then that's when I just started reaching out to sports dietitians, just, you know, try to gain insight, experience within the field. And my first experience in sports nutrition was shadowing and interning under Dave Ellis when he was a consultant oh. at the University of Oklahoma. So I also um, got to spend some time with Steve Smith, who at the time was um, with the NBA Oklahoma City Thunder. So I, I really got lucky and uh, with those opportunities and um, it really just reaffirmed my uh, decision to get a career in sports nutrition. And so I uh, went to school at the University of Oklahoma and I was in a coordinated program at OU where I completed my classes and the supervised practice at the same time. And I got two uh, bachelors. Uh, one was in bachelors of science and nutritional sciences, and the other was bachelor of arts in Spanish. So yeah, so from there, you know, I loved study abroad so much <laughs> that I went on to get my master's abroad. And I was looking in the States too, I was just trying to decide what I was going to do. And I, I just really liked the idea of going out of the country. So I, I went to Loughborough University in England and I really didn't understand how big of a deal it was before I was there. But, you know, if you're really good in sports, uh, that's where you go to school in England. Uh, a lot of Olympians um, were students there, training there. They had English Institute of Sport, Gatorade Science Institute lots of resources on their campus. So um, once I was there, I was like, this is so cool. And then having, you know, a lot of researchers that have done a lot in sports nutrition, they like Clyde Williams, um, back in, I believe it was the 70s, that's when carbohydrates really started becoming prominent with performance. And he was one of the leaders in that. And um, he was at Loughborough University. So it was just cool um, that some of the things I had read was coming to light. So I got my master's in sports, um, sport and exercise nutrition there. And while I was there, I reached out um, and I had worked with a professional ice hockey team 
which is super random. You would not think that in England, right? Like you'd think soccer, rugby, something completely different. Yeah. But it was a great experience. And, you know, I grew up in Texas. So like the lakes didn't freeze over. That wasn't a thing. So just really learning the hockey culture. Um, I really became passionate about it. It was, it was really fun. And then after Lefbra, I ended up um, getting a it was um, a full-time non-permanent uh, sports nutrition internship with um, uh, Lisa Chan um, at Clemson University. So it was really cool. It was um, my colleague and I, Sarah Renahan, um, she was there too. And so we were uh, the first in those roles. So we really got to expand the nutrition services in uh, the Olympic sports. And so that was really cool to be a part of and just learn so many things. And then it prepared me. Um, after that was done, I went on to the University of Oregon. Um, and that was under Pratik Patel. And I thought, honestly, I was going to be there a long time. And then I, I got a really cool opportunity to go back home. Um, Scott Sainer um, had uh, extended me. Um, an offer to work with um, the Dallas Cowboys. So I actually was on the hospitality side. It was, it was a unique setup. So I was under Legends, who actually Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, also owns. <laughs> so um, it was just interesting, but uh, really, really great experience. I spent a couple of seasons with them. And while I was there, I also got to consult with Gatorade Sports Science Institute um, with Lisa Heaton and um, their team up there. Uh, and so I, it was when the G League um, of the NBA bought out, you know, the D League and all that transition. Yeah. So it was the first year of G League um, officially. So I was working with Texas Legends, which is the Dallas Mavericks affiliate team. And so then after that, um, I had got interested in some private practice. So I actually, I still have it. It's tailored for performance. So I started that, um, wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go. And honestly, it's changed so much. Uh, I thought projects and then clients and, uh, you know, blogging and it's just <laughs> keeps getting restructured every year. So hopefully, you know, it sticks soon, but um, then I went on to um, West Virginia University, and I got to be in, in a director role um, for football. So I was the director of sports nutrition for football. And so I, I didn't have a dietitian over me for the first time. <laughs> and um, I had a senior associate athletic director. And so from there, you know, taking some of the things I learned from all the places I've been, I was able to... Um, apply how other people ran programs and, and my um, help with those and, and, then, and then get to do that for the first time at West Virginia. So that was really cool. And I had an incredible opportunity to help hire performance chef, Jessica Blatchley, who is now the executive chef of the New York Jets. And I'm forever grateful that our paths crossed and really nutrition before I was there, they, they did have a presence. It just wasn't uh, daily. So that was really new. And uh, I felt like I had a lot of buy-in, which was great. And so they, they just, the trust they had in me was really cool. So got to do some really cool things. We did well that year. And then, um, let's see. So I think that was a little under a year and a half I was there. And then I got presented with some tactical opportunities and I ended up choosing um, holistic health and fitness, also known as H2F. So the army program. And so I started as a contractor and um, I've been doing it now. Now I'm a civilian <laughs> with the government. So I got you know elevated, promoted to the other side, I guess. And um, I've been doing it for two and a half years. So I think that's everything to date. <laughs> wow. What haven't you done, Taylor? Like, I'm literally serious. <laughs> um, I'm sure, you know, that's like, amazing. That's yeah, amazing. no, I've had some, I've been so blessed with all the opportunities and 
And honestly, I'm just, I'm persistent, a go-getter. And I think that that, some of that personality trait is how, you know, I got some of the opportunities and, um, but, you know, I would say uh, I've had a little exposure to high school. Um, a lot, several of my cousins play sports and some in college. So I've, you know, got to help out with that when they were growing still. Um, but I guess full-time I haven't done high school, so. <laughs> Anything just from like seeing like every level, pro sports, collegiate, high school, tactical, private practice. I mean, is there something you kind of take with you every day from those experiences or just anything that's I, like, that's amazing that you've done so, so many different things and you've seen so much. So it's really cool. Yeah. Um, like you said, they're just all so different, different dynamics, different structure, different organizations. Um, and, and yeah, so I mean, I've learned so much over my career. You know, you, you start your career, you think you know a lot and then you realize you don't. And then, and then you just soak up all the knowledge from everyone you can and, you know, hope that you do good and make an impact when it's your time to shine. But um, yeah, so I would say every day I'm applying and, and I think it goes all the way back to my time as a student. Um, I'm, I'm forever grateful for Dave Ellis. He's like, still my mentor and a good friend and um, just his exposure. He was the president of CPSDA at the time. So like the exposure to CPSDA and what all opportunities that, um, you know, provided. I was a part of the first boot camp when they had it. Um, it was at Georgia Tech, you know, so yeah. I just, I, I got to meet more people there and it's crazy. Some of the, uh, at the time, other students that I met they're now, you know, as sports dietitians too, doing really well. And I stayed in touch with a lot of them. So honestly, it really started early from the student experience and just the relationships have been the most valuable part for me um, and keep maintaining those relationships. And, and just, you know, I've just been blessed that all the trust that, you know, not just sports dietitians have had in me, but sports medicine staff, you know, strength and conditioning administrators. And, and it's really allowed me to, um, you know, just kind of be confident in my role and, and uh, execute it and, and support athletes. So, and, and with that also from with everything just being about culture nowadays, you know, all my study abroad experiences, I got to participate in multicultural lifestyles, customs, and it expanded and gave me a broader cultural awareness than I ever had. And I, I got to improve my communication skills, not just in English, but you know, in Spanish, learning uh, um, the importance of universal values and really going back to the dietitian piece and looking up to people that were my role models um, has helped me, you know, with my communication, not only to maybe people underneath me staff wise or to administrators or just to other disciplinaries, but, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've gotten better at maybe phrasing things, communicating, not letting my emotions get the best of me. And I guess just maturing as an adult and a professional. <laughs> Love it. All right. Let's, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Tactical nutrition, your role currently with H2F. Can you just tell us like what it is, how it started, and maybe just a little bit like where it's going? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, <laughs> so H2F, that just means holistic health and fitness. Um, it's an army initiative that is the whole purpose is to improve non-physical and physical readiness of soldiers. And so it's composed of five elements which is governance, program, equipment, facilities, personnel, and leadership. So what that means um, is that governance is like the army doctrines, the regulations, what we have to go by, right? Um, command and control. Uh, so quality assurance, accountability, all the resourcing, right? So that goes under the governance. Programming is you know, trying to be preventative, rehabilitation, proactive with treatments, things like that, instead of being reactive mm -hmm. and just a periodized training, testing, you know, different things within that. 
And then equipment and facilities is probably pretty straightforward. You know, your, your clinics, your gyms, uh, and then rehabilitation for, you know, the athletic trainers, the physical therapists, things like that. So that takes me to personnel. Um, so we have myself, obviously, <laughs> registered dietitians. There is physical therapists, athletic trainers, training and conditioning coaches, and occupational therapists. And so within that, we all have a readiness area that we are assigned to. So there is the, um, there's sleep readiness, mental readiness, physical readiness, spiritual readiness, and, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the last one. <laughs> Nutritional readiness, literally what I do. <laughs> That was the fifth component. I was so focused on the team that uh, I didn't even know. You're so selfless. <laughs> oh, so, um, so within that, it's, it's really interesting because um, the physical readiness, obviously there's con contribution from everyone, but the strength and conditioning and um, the physical therapists, athletic trainers, they really are doing that and then rehabilitation, injury prevention. And then occupational therapy does do physical readiness too, but they also are doing um, sleep and mental readiness. And then we, we work with um, our chaplains and behavioral health uh, providers and they also do mental readiness. So it's, it's really interesting. So we each, you know, play a role that is really important, not just for the physical readiness, but the non-physical readiness. And then we have the leadership education. So that's like, you know, different uh, army physical fitness schools, um, you know, whether you want to go back and get a degree in education, certifications, just continuing education, so to speak. Is your day-to-day, -day, is it like counseling? Is it like, what is it for a day? Yeah, so um, I think, so sorry, I started with explaining the program and then I didn't um, say, so I actually started um, in the pilot program. And so that was two and a half years ago and it has really grown since then and not just resources, but personnel. So when I first started, um, and really there's, it's grown, but just cause the program has grown, it's not a pilot anymore, but we had uh, started with physical therapists, athletic training, strength and conditioning and dietetics. So when we expanded, we actually, um, so we had minimal resources. <laughs> I didn't even have a computer for like 13 months. I had to go to the hospital after I did have one-on-one -on -one consultations to chart my notes and um, yeah. So, and then I think I had a scale tape, you know, for measuring circumference because the taping method is the army's way of doing body um, fat percentage. Yeah. So body composition. And so I pretty much did that. So a lot of one-on-one -on -one consultations, um, giving education briefs right after the soldiers finish their morning um, physical training and um, getting involved in the dining facility and what we call the defects. So those um, just trying to make an impact with the menus and also teaching food service personnel from uh, how nutrition impacts performance. Because um, the Army, as, as well as the other branches, they have standards they have to abide by with the menu. And for Army, we have go for green. So it goes off of a green, yellow, and red light uh, stoplight system. And so, you know, green's good, red's bad. And then, you know, there's de definition of what that means, you know, like whether that's red, it's, you know, high saturated fat um, and things like that to maybe like greens, like a lean cut of meat, <laughs> minimal, you know, processing, all that. So there's different variances in grading for those scales. So they do have to go by that to put out the food uh, and serve it. And then we come in as the H2F dietitians and try to look at it from a performance standpoint and how to maximize um, what we can do at the menu to then optimally help a soldiers recover and then be able to perform better. 
so with that, um, it's very different from the athletic setting with whether that's college or pro where you're working directly with maybe a performance chef or just a chef food service and you get to have input in the menus and maybe you're ordering food for the fueling station, things like that. <laughs> it doesn't exist with this program. So we, I don't have a fueling station. We don't have the resources for that. And I'm not actually ordering food or I'm just going off of like, hey, this is what food we have in a catalog. And from there we can create a menu. So we have uh, create a menu with uh, me as well as all the other H2F dietitians for specifically Fort Bliss. And then now we're moving to a model where um, the whole army is gonna now um, go with this, what's called an action menu. And it was created from TRADOC, uh, which is uh, just the training um, organization of the army. So. So they, they govern that and they're going to distribute, you know, all of these menus have to be followed at every single installation, army installation across the country eventually. So uh, we, I guess we kind of kickstarted that with our own H2F menu at Bliss. And I know some other bases were doing it too. So it is very different from that. So a lot less responsibility, I would say. Um, and then it's just very interesting, the type of soldiers I have, you know, I, I have roughly a little under 5,000 soldiers and it's myself. I'm and sorry, what? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and we're all here like, oh, 600 athletes. Like, yeah. So, 5, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about 5,000. And so it's myself and another registered dietitian, um, that is in the army. And so we both oversee the nutrition. So then you have to get creative, right? Of how you're going to, how are you going to reach 5,000 soldiers? You know, is that social media word of mouth? Are you just rotating with educations? Um, and, and then I do get a lot of um, individual consultations, whether that's initials, follow-ups, do do M&T work and then give briefs. So whether they're, um, you know, going to be in the field maybe. So they don't have access to a dining facility and they're really limited on maybe some food items they can take. Uh, you know, maybe it's shelf stable, something that's like, I don't know, protein bar to beef jerky, trail mix, something that's going to be light in weight, but also that they can readily take. And then we have what's called um, MREs. Everything has acronyms, I know. Um, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> they are where um, they have a meal that is dehydrated. And so you can, oh. they have uh, like camping, right? Yeah. So you have things that you can use to like heat it up or um, maybe it's in a can or and, you know, there's bars and maybe there's, sometimes there's even candy. There might be candy, there could be pretzels. I mean, they have a variety of things for them, but they're not going to expire anytime soon. <laughs> Some of them you're like, um, do they have expiration? Oh I don't know. But uh, how, old so are that, how old are the soldiers? So you can get them as early as 18 and, you know, right when they enlist all the way to, uh, you know, maybe when they're retiring. So it, you could, I mean, you could, I've seen soldiers all the way up to late forties. Um, yeah, so it really varies. And then something that, you know, my background in football didn't prepare me with was, um, pregnancy and postpartum soldiers. So oh, we have that. And so that's been really interesting, honestly. And, you know, the time after they've, you know, um, had the labor and delivery, you know, how much time do they have to get back into the army standards and just helping cool. us with that. It's, it's been very different and uh, honestly helped really sharpen my clinical skills on some things. So <laughs> that's been really great, but it's just, um, I would say a lot slower pace than the grind of the athletic teams. And um, you're still, you know, doing similar things. It's just, you might have a lot more variants in the type of soldier. You might get someone that's highly a skilled um, performer and motivated to maybe someone that's 
not so motivated <laughs> um, and maybe trying to make army standards, whether that's, mm. they call it height and weight. And um, when they don't make what this height and weight chart table says, and it separates by gender, age, and then you look at what the height is to where their weight should be. And they have one for minimum weight. So you do, I have seen soldiers that have been clinically underweight to ones that, you know, they don't meet the weight they're over. So then they go to the body fat percentage. And so from there, um, you're able to tell if they're within the standard or not. So you, you do see it where, you know, there, some people aren't meeting that and then they have to, you know, meet it to pretty much stay in the army. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just different. How do you optimize your body and maximize your mind to get the most out of every day? You need the right fuel and you need Momentus. Momentus offers high quality lab tested next generation sports and human performance products. Check out the Momentus Collagen Shot, the first and only collagen gel that's made for people on the go, promoting long-term joint health and resilience against injuries. And you'll even love Momentus Elite Sleep, a unique research-backed formula designed to help you fall asleep easier and achieve higher quality sleep all night long, improving recovery and performance. LiveMomentous.com has everything you need to get stronger, go longer, and recover faster. Momentous has even been awarded six innovation contracts with the Department of Defense to support elite special forces and other military personnel. Get the most innovative human optimization and nutritional supplements for athletes of all types. Get Momentous. Go to LiveMomentous.com now and use the new code, I repeat, new code, RD snippets 20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's RD S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S-2-0. Thank you so much, Momentus, for sponsoring this episode. So when someone's in the army, do they always have access to H2F sort of thing? Or is it like you've graduated, like you're in the army, you've passed all these steps, or how does it kind of work for like support long term? Yeah, that's a great question. So um H2F is still growing. So when um, I started in the pilot, it had, uh, it, was, it was started on five different bases. And after that, there is a whole, you know, organizational chart, flow chart of how it's gonna grow <laughs> over all these years and how many bases. So the idea is it's eventually going to expand hopefully to all the army bases wow. and, um, and people will have access to that. So right now it's limited to the bases it's on and there are bases rolling out this year, COVID and some budgeting kind of, you know, halted or just had a later start for some of those rollouts, but they are starting to expand at some other bases um, across the country. And so as it does expand, then the soldiers that are on those bases will have access. And then um, something I think I failed to mention is this is big army. So if you have people that are with um, special operations, special forces, that's a little different. So they should have their own um, support staff, you know, performance team that is gonna be structured similarly to H2F, but it's gonna be different, right? And a lot less soldiers. Uh, so H2F is more for big army. Wow. I was just trying to think like, I feel like some students like trying to become sports dietitians and they might feel like it's only collegiate or pro. And I feel like it's cool like hearing about tactical and that maybe somebody who's burnt out in collegiate thinks, oh, I need to get out of sports nutrition, but thinking, what is it? A 40 hour, hour work week too in tactical? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest, one of, uh, and, I, and I think this might be something you're asking later, so I'm just going to go ahead and get into it, um, but one of the advice I have received, and, and I've received a lot of good advice, but something that just really made me think, um, Rob Skinner is actually who got me interested in the tactical side, and uh, just hearing, um, you know, the work-life balance for that. And he told me, you know, you're trading time for money. And it's so true, um, which I don't think I realized earlier on. And what, how I take that is 
when I was at a point where I was looking at tactical, I was reevaluating how I was spending my time. Mm. If I even had time, right. And <laughs> trying to work towards that work-life balance. So I did feel a little burnout from just all the hours, no days off, um, sacrificing a lot, right. Your time holidays. Um, and so I was, you know, I, I wanted to have an opportunity to have a better work-life balance. And so with that, I, I found an interest in tactical and that was really appealing for me because they really pay well. Um, they're good paying jobs with a lot of benefits. Um, you know, you get to get like continuing education, um, money for conferences, maybe your licensure memberships. And then, um, of course, all the other, you know, HR type benefits, medical, um, health, you know, all, all of that. And, um, and then, you know, working at like a nine to five might be a little earlier than nine and a little earlier than five, but it's, you know, 40 hour work week. And then you have, sometimes I get four day weekends because that's how the military, you know, structure some of their training days or, um, you know, they might give them an extra day. So, and then we're off all the holidays, weekends and that was something that was a huge adjustment for me when I first, I didn't know what to do. Like I had so much time on my hands, wasn't used to it. I had to start picking up hobbies, <laughs> but um, so yeah, for, for those that are looking um, that want to get in sports performance, sports nutrition, but maybe the, the requirements for collegiate or even pro aren't conducive for the lifestyle that they want. Um, I think tactical is a really great um, opportunity. And I think some of these tactical jobs, you're starting to see a trend, myself included, of people that are leaving collegiate athletics or pro or, or wherever, right? And they're coming over to these tactical jobs. So I think they're going to be highly sought after in the next you know, upcoming years, I, th I think a lot of people are going to want these jobs because they do offer such a great work-life balance and you get compensated well for it. And I think that's huge because as you know, I feel like sports dietitians are undervalued and underpaid and, uh, you know, people have taken jobs in the past for lower than they should have. And, and so I, my hope is that these tactical jobs, you know, starting in the seventies, um, 70,000 and a plus that they're going to raise those salaries and that standard for sports dietitians in collegiate professional and, and all the other organizations, because if you want the, you know, really qualified people, you're going to have to do that. The next time the job board comes out with a tactical position, everyone's going to press apply. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Now I will say they're sometimes in some remote locations, but you know, for me, El Paso has been, uh, it, it's further than other places, but it's a big city actually. So, I mean, I, but that's, I think would be maybe not as desirable for some yeah. people as maybe the locations of some of the jobs, but you get, you get a lot, you know, of, pros from it too. That's awesome. I feel like a lot of people listening probably appreciate just a different perspective. Cause I feel like we, a lot of people, you just hear collegiate professional and yeah. you know tactical, but I feel like people know about it, but now um, just hearing like the MNT and it sounds like you, you get to learn so much every day and you still do a little food service, but it's such a benefit in a way that your time is spent counseling and, you know, that, you know, you can see the, the pros and cons, but I guess it depends if you love food service, maybe this is not the great, you know, the right fit, but right. just depends on what you kind of want as a sports dietitian. I think you really get to be a sports dietitian instead of a food service worker. And maybe some of the other jobs might've had a lot more time, you know, delegated to that. And I mean, I still get, I mean, soldiers, they're taking all sorts of supplements, energy drinks. And so you get plenty of opportunities to give education about that. And, but you know, you're not having to buy any of that. And yeah. you really get a lot of that food service that would have been the responsibility in those other 
areas that aren't as much. And so, and then you get to collaborate still, which is nice. You know, I work with a dietitian. My immediate supervisor is a dietitian, but then you have, there are, you know, seven other or six other, I guess seven total, six other um, H2F teams on the same installation. So you get to act, interact with like six to 12 other dietitians, wow. which some, you know, half of that is in the army and then half of that is civilian. And so we normally come together once or twice a month to like, just discuss like best practices, what each of us are doing, you know, if it aligns. And then um, we do journal club. So that's neat because we review journal articles and read them. So that helps keep current, you know, um, and then you get to discuss it and, and then how that uh, applies to the military setting. If a student or like an aspiring sports dietitian wanted to gain experience in tactical, it, like are internships available or is it more like reach out individually to dietitians at, at like tactical sites and it could be different everywhere? Yeah, so that's a great question. It gets a little tricky because um, you have to have a security clearance. Mm. And so a lot of times, um, like for us, we're, we have army going to be army dietitians. So they're in the army and they're completing, you know, their, their school and their supervised practice. And then, you know, they're an, a dietitian in the army. So they have the clearance to come on to our base and have an in-person supervised practice. I have personally been able to work out um, a remote internship and that's just something I worked out with the legal um, within my unit and then the leadership as well, they approved it. But unfortunately the, the students are really limited. You know, they, they can't, meet with the soldiers one-on-one, -on -one, like practice counseling. It's more like projects, nutrition yeah. education projects, whether that's handouts, social media content, maybe, you know, uh, presentations, things like that. So uh, it may be a little, not quite what they thought, but I still try to really get them to, you know, give them case studies and, and really have them still think through some of these things. And, but yeah, I, I speak for not just H2F, but even from the um, special forces, they will have to have uh, most likely a security clearance to do an in-person with them too. So it's probably best for students or just people that are interested that already are dietitians to reach out to tactical dietitians and just see one, like what opportunities there are, and maybe there's an upcoming position going to post, or, you know, if there is supervised practice opportunity, um, because they may have a situation like I did where they could work around, you know, maybe yeah. a remote situation and not uh, be in violation of the security. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, no violations. <laughs> um. What, did, what advice do you have for any, you know, RDs in collegiate or pro that are transitioning into a tactical role? Like, is there anything you kind of look back and you're like, oh, I wish I just kind of knew that? Um, well, uh, since I was in the pilot, I, I think just so many things have grown over time. So it's a little different situation than maybe someone getting into it today. Uh, I think more so how your approach is with tactical versus collegiate and pro is important. Like just having patience uh, because it's such a difference and um, pace that you were used to working at. <laughs> but I think, you know, just taking a step back, realizing you don't have to be going hundred miles an hour. It's okay. <laughs> but also really understanding the organizational structure of the military is really important um, with ranks, whether you're an officer or you're enlisted, and then even just your ranks as a civilian or to the contractors, they're all, so really just understanding that organizational chart um, is really important um, within the military. Uh, so uh, homework on the military and patience would probably be 
you know, my, my best advice I could give. That's good though. Yeah. That's funny. No. Cause just like thinking about it, it's like, I only know collegiate. So it's like, you sit down, yeah. like, there's no fueling station. There's no, you know, it's not like, go grab your core. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Best advice in your career. Or do we already cover that? Do we have another one? What do we got? Um, second best advice. Second best advice. There's been so many. Um, for me, it was really just, you know, reevaluating my time. Um, you know, as I've had life occurrences happening to me this year, um, I think you just, and maybe that's how it happens as you get older, <laughs> things just matter more to you and some things don't. And so for me, it was just um, having more of the time that I had sacrificed, whether that was like high school reunion or like a friend's wedding or, you know, just, just things that you wouldn't think of uh, maybe at the time that you, I don't know, graduated. So I, I just really think I have, I care more how I spend my time and I don't want to literally just work to live, you know? And, and so, and that just be what my life is. And so I, I want that balance and I think just also another advice, which may be a little <laughs> harsh, but it's true. Um, you know, just when I think it helps, it, you kind of remove yourself from that, um, being so passionate about the career field. But, um, you know, you're irreplaceable, or you're replaceable, not, you're not irreplaceable. And, um, you know, and there's so many qualified, um, excellent practitioners out there and not just that, but, you know, they just, you know, different organizations, you know, you, you've invest so much time into them. You care about the people and the relationships, but I also think that, you know, you also have to evaluate your life and your health and your time. That's equally just as important. And so, I, you know, don't, don't think of it as this is like my lifetime job. And, and maybe it is for some people, but, you know, uh, people do move on, whether that's you or the organization and everyone ends up being okay. So I think just, you know, kind of evaluating how you want to live your life um, really helps you decide what area you want to be in of sports nutrition. I appreciate what you just said about the high school reunion because um, like my best friend, her bachelorette party and wedding is like next year and it could conflict with like some sporting events or whatever, but like, there's no question in my mind that I'm not going to my best friend's wedding, you know? And I think, I don't know if I was like 22, 23, it'd be like different, but like, I understand if this is like your first football season and like, yeah, I get that. I get that. But it is yeah. really nice to know that like, what you care about as you kind of get older. It's like, I am going to my best friend's wedding. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. of course, but I can understand if you're younger, it's harder. Cause you're like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but, but I do think like you're saying, like there comes a time where you're like, I can be still, I can still be a sports dietitian, but I gotta, yeah, exactly. Like you don't have to sacrifice everything. And I think, <laughs> you know, you are like, especially when you're starting out your career or like you said, it's your first football game. Like you want to be there. You want to do everything and you want to do a great job because you're passionate and you want to do a really great job. And, but I think you also, the flip side of that, you miss out on some things. So maybe in a more delicate way to put it is saying no, you know, and it's okay to say no. Cause at the end of the day, you're still going to be a sports dietitian. You're still going to give people your, your passion and your time and the end of the day, you're trying to make the athletes better, but you also need to enjoy your best friend's wedding and, you know, go to a high school reunion or, or, or take that trip to Mexico or wherever you're going to, you know, you, you need that balance. And so, but I think it takes some time being in this industry to realize that. And so uh, hopefully that came off well I didn't intend to say like you know everyone's gonna be replaced you know 
screw the job you're doing. That's not my intent. It's just that there also are more important things in your life going on too that are equally just as important than the job that you're doing. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. All right, ready for the rapid fire round? Oh God. Um, Okay, let's do it. It's not scary. Favorite Girl Scout cookie? Like type of? Ooh, Thin Mints. Yeah. What's the one that's, um, oh God, I don't even know. What are the other ones called? Like the one that's like, almost looks like. There's, um. A Samoa. Samoa. Yeah. Samoa. Yeah. That's, it was on the tip of my tongue too. I was like, what is that? Yes. I feel like Samoa is my favorite, but like Thin Mint is like the OG favorite. So it's like weird to be like. Yeah. And it's really a game changer if you freeze them. Oh, really? Yeah. Have yeah. you ever had the peppermint Luna bar, like the red bar? Um, I don't think so, actually. That's like a thin mint protein bar. It's like its sister. Right. Yeah. If you okay. ever. Yes. Oh, freeze them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are tennis balls green or yellow? Yellow. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, they're yellow. Okay. Well, I was like, uh, green, yellow. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> If you could switch careers for one month, what would you do? I always like love watching these TV shows where people are like special agents and they're about to, you know, do some really cool stuff. (laughs) And so, I don't know. I always felt like (laughs) doing something with like international affairs or like undercover work, like, I don't know, maybe that's just a dream that I will never live out. Yeah. That's such a cool concept. We need to make that happen. That would be fun. That would be fun. All right. I don't know if this is a question, but okay. In elementary school, when you had folders and like red was a certain, um, certain yeah. subject, what were your colors and what were your subjects? Like, would it be red is what? what red was, was always math. Oh, um, see, red was reading for me. That was purple for me. Okay. Math was blue. What about science? <laughs> uh science was green yes social studies or history geography yeah yeah. that was blue oh that's Um, That's yellow for me yeah purple i feel like purple did you say reading was purple for you yeah i see that or like a life skills class or something oh like english literature i i guess that was yellow what would orange be did people have orange i don't i didn't use orange yeah yeah (laughs) I think that's all the colors. Yeah, I think that's all the colors. All right, last question. Are you ready? Yeah. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? That everything doesn't have to be perfect or a textbook and go with your gut instinct sometimes. Yes. I love it. Go with your gut. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. And apply to a tactical job. <laughs> Oh, well, this has been fun. Yes, thank you so much. This was awesome. And can people just reach out to you via email if they're interested in applying to tactical positions, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Taylor at taylorforperformance.com. Awesome. Well, Taylor, have a great rest of your week and talk soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports artie to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports Artie Snippets to see what Sports Artie guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.